Senator Sam Irvin interrupted his questioning of a witness during the televised Watergate hearings in the summer of 1973 and, with a twinkle in his eye, slowly drawled, I just can't resist the temptation to philosophize just a little about the Watergate. Then the old country lawyer from North Carolina launched into one of his famous impromptu political sermons. Men upon whom fortune has smiled benevolently and who possessed great financial power, great political power, and great governmental power undertook to nullify the laws of man and the laws of God for the purpose of gaining what history will call a very temporary political advantage. This was live television. No one could stop him. Irvin's fellow senators, the committee staffers, the witness, the press corps, the restless spectators packed into every spare inch of the historic Senate caucus room, and the thousands of viewers in the national television audience watching from homes and offices across the country, all had to wait for the 76-year-old chairman of the committee to finish his ruminations before the Watergate investigation could proceed. Sam Irvin was a disaster on television, at least by the standards of the slick, soundbite world of broadcast journalism in the 1970s. His eyebrows twitched nervously up and down his forehead when he became excited, and he tended to stumble over his words as ideas passed through his mind faster than he could explain them. On camera, he came across ruffled, almost archaic, and very southern. He seemed to be a walking, talking anachronism, or as one reporter described him, a last lingering elder from the time of pre-technological man. The laws of God are embodied in the King James Version of the Bible, Irvin continued. He was becoming agitated and his voice was growing stronger. And I think that those who participated in this effort to nullify the laws of man and the laws of God overlooked one of the laws of God which is set forth in the seventh verse of the sixth chapter of Galatians. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. There was a short pause, an awkward silence of a second or two. Bible quoting was not fashionable in 1973. Popular culture, especially on television, was secular, youthful, and dominated by the aesthetic of cool. Irvin was none of these. The contemporary myth, if not the fact, suggested a nation defined by anti-Vietnam War protests, civil rights demonstrations, and the counterculture's famous trinity of drugs, sex, and rock and roll. Where did Sam Irvin's old-fashioned moralizing fit into this liberal context? For those few seconds of silence, no one seemed to know exactly how to respond. Irvin, sensing the awkwardness, added an uncomfortable nod of his head as if to signal that he was done with his philosophizing and it was time for the committee to get back to work. Then came the applause. It exploded from the public galleries and enveloped the whole room. Clapping, laughter, and cheers rolled out of the hearing room and over the airwaves into the nation. Even some members of the press and committee staffers joined in. The senators and the witness smiled awkwardly as some of the spectators rose in a standing ovation.
Sitting there in the blazing light of the television cameras, Irvin, too, let a slight, knowing smile slip across his face before gaveling the hearings back to order. No doubt they were not smiling at the White House. The hearings were not going as they had expected. When the Senate announced that Sam Irvin would chair its select committee to investigate Watergate, President Richard M. Nixon and his aides thought the old North Carolinian could be handled. Chief of Staff H.R. Bob Haldeman assured the president that Irvin was not the great constitutional authority he sets himself up to be. Charles Colson, special counsel to the president, reported that Irvin was bordering on senility and a phony. But Irvin's investigation began to unravel the cover-up that Nixon and his men had worked so desperately to maintain since the botched break-in of the Democratic National Committee in the Watergate office building on 16 June 1972.